Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Stubborn Fellows Podcast. I'm Cameron. I'm Duncan. And we're Stubborn Fellows. Uh, and we may as well just cat out of the bag it. I mean, this is not going to air until tomorrow at the, at the minimum, but today, the day that we're recording, is Cameron's 40th birthday, everybody. Yeah. Happy birthday, man. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm happy you're alive. I'm happy I'm alive, and I'm, but I'm not that happy that I'm 40. <laughs> Do you, I mean, did you go through that at 30? I'm just going to interview about it. I didn't. I um, You didn't feel like 30 was this big, like, because that one happened to me it was, in a big way. But I rounded up from like when I was 25 or 26, like I was so close to the gravitational center of 30. I was mm-hmm. so, I was already orbiting 30 by the time I was 26. So what happened was this extremely strange thing that when I turned 30, I had this feeling of retrograde motion. Because like <laughs> I'd already accepted being thirty, and then yeah. when I was actually thirty, I was like, "Oh, but this is how old I was five years ago." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I like it was really weird. I felt younger, but forty I, is like you just can't ignore forty. I did, de- yeah. I definitely think as maybe you know it helps to be like a dude, and there's less pressure and stuff. But like people are like, "Oh, I'm twenty blank. I'm so old." I was always it, I always felt the same way more that my age was aging into me. But then in your mid in my mid thirties here, I feel like it is now I'm like, oh, I am getting older. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm starting to get a, a higher numerical age than I carry myself around like feeling like. Sure. So forty feels that way a little bit. Yeah, and it's um I don't know. I've just been so fucking weird lately anyway that it's like I don't know. I don't know if it's the age or if just I'm feeling like Yeah. Ennui. I'm just feeling yeah, you were Whatever. you were just saying a, a sort of thing where it's like it could be any of the things. Right. Like maybe it's this, maybe it's you just moved, maybe yeah. it's yeah. It's it's hard to tell from the inside. Yeah, I hate like am I on or not on the correct meds or drugs? Mm-hmm. I hate that cuz it's like it so typifies like so much in my life. It's like should I quit this thing? <laughs> <laughs> Like it feels kind of good, but then it feels kind of not good. <laughs> like, yeah. Like I like some of it, but I don't know if I like all of it. It's a dance. How often have you switched meds? Is that well? We don't have to go down that road, but not much. I've gone on Wellbutrin and I've gone on Live Ants, hmm. then off and then on again. It's difficult. It, it's hard for me at the fucking eye doctor sometimes. To really decide one is better than the other. <laughs> like mm-hmm. an allegedly objective measure of how well you can see. I get so in my head about like, I hope I get it right. Right. You know, you take this test on your peripheral vision and it's like this little video game. And I'm like, I just, I, I don't want to fuck up the, I feel like if I went on meds, like meds, meds, I would really second guess it all the time. Yeah. But, you know, I go through that with like, you know, my own like sleep habits and whether or not I smoke weeds mm-hmm. during daylight hours and and shit like that all the time. Yeah. And it's it's like I went off of my meds like in the peak COVID peak like insurrection months and like Lisa was like in like the peak of her chemo. Hmm. And so we were like isolated in this beautiful house. It was great, but also I was just, I felt like I had way too much. I felt like I was raiding from Mortal Kombat, but like the, the th- whatever pores in my palms that were responsible for shooting the lightning out have been clogged up and they couldn't, they, <laughs> no one could find a cure. So I'm just like, I just like, well, I just have lightning inside of me all the time. You know, it's just like I'm bursting at the seams and I thought I'll quit weed. Yeah. But then I was like, I took a holiday from, the amphetamine from Vivance, and I felt great. And then I just kept not taking it, and it led to this like renaissance of feeling good, like beautifully good. But then probably also too much self-medicating with weed. Yeah, I mean that was, you know, these were like April, May, June. You're talking about mm-hmm. that was because that was quite a renaissance. It was. You know, that's in that's a lot of why we're here today. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, <clears throat> I read a book a while ago. It's called Imagine by Jonah Lear. Yeah. Chapter one is about 
making unexpected connections, right? When you're right brain, when you when you associate two things that like aha moments, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's happening over here. And chapter two is about focus. Like like this old poet W. H. Auden used to take a bunch of benzene yeah, and just yeah. like fucking r- stare at stuff one for word word for word. And I go through this in a less medicated way, but just like these are not the same mindset. No. And yet, as a creative person, I want to have both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. That's what I in prose. I find prose writing, fiction, literature, that it's like it's calm vigilance, right? It's like you have the vigilance of the neurotic, mm-hmm. the noticing, that noticing eye, right? Yeah. The it's, eye that notices. Self-consciousness. But then, like, I'm sure Steinbeck, even though his, like, intros are very, like, sort of, how would you say it? Naturalistic. About nature. They're yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just south of the, like, Salinas Valley, the river pa- does blah, Pastoral, blah, blah. if you will. Yeah, there you go, pastoral. Um the person who noticed all that stuff, there's a certain neurotic engine in there. Mm-hmm. And so I find for me like prose, that's why I feel like if I don't write prose, I'm crazy. Like I'm so much happier if I write prose every morning, like fiction, short stories, if I write prose, because like it somehow puts me there in the place where like the focus isn't at odds with the right and left brain are together. They're, they're, they're yeah, they're braided in a certain kind of way. I, I mean, I find playing, Musical instruments is maybe the, one of my ideal ways to do both. You know, to have sort of a structure to improvise around a little bit, especially in terms of like force and like texture on the sure. piano or something, but to also be like sort of refining your own technique and super, super keyed in on these like small parts of a song as you go along. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's impossible to do a like stand up comedy. You're just kind of up there. And then you have to like do it later and focus and refine words. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I imagine that's there's so many pros and cons to being on like a Vivance to being not on it. And that's why I'm not a psychiatrist. Neither are psychiatrists. They're fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> psychiatrists are like, here's my impression of a psychiatrist. Hmm. Um, so I uh, tried on these pair of shoes, seven and a half. But they were too small. And then psychiatrist thoughtfully taps their pad with their pen and then rubs their chin. They go, maybe try eight. <laughs> like that's all they got? That's what they do. You go, you go, I have yeah. ADHD. Can I have ADHD meds? Sure. Yeah. You go, this dose seemed low. Hmm. Try a higher dose. But like they always trust me. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. They're so credulous. And uncreative, and like, they've all been great, nice people, and like, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is maybe not a refined enough art form. Or something. <laughs> it is. It is like just as old as the internet. You know what I mean? It's like the '80s when SSRIs really came around. Right. So it's like 40 years of of an art, <laughs> of a science. Yeah. That still it still seems a lot like throwing darts at a. And a dartboard that you can't see. Mm-hmm. Because there's no second you. If there was a second you <laughs> yeah. that you could leave off of the meds and then be like, how are you feeling? I feel like shit. Well, I feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Cool, we'll keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, because everything's relative, you never could know. It's like every single moment, every single epoch in your life has all of these unique tributaries but they're not even all the tributaries are unique because they're common to some parts of the past. That's how crazy relative it is. Like, yeah, some things are common to you a month ago, but some things have changed. I also I had that problem in talk therapy where I was like, "Why they shouldn't trust me? Like, <laughs> there's no alternative." But there is a degree to which that even just talking to another human, I'm not going to bring up the shit that's really bothering me, right? Or like the stuff that I'm really like, why not? There's, there was something, well, and this was like a few years ago, a while ago now, but it would be like, oh, it's just more fun to talk to my therapist at the time about like relationships, right. like stuff I do want to work on right. and was important. But in a way that's like intellectually engaging for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's my problem is like. Well, like, and I never, look, and that's, I, I, I'm sure it came up, but I never got around to shit like, sometimes even my closest friends or family text me something, I get stuck in this loop 
of like a, a little time has gone by and I don't know what to say and then it's the next day already and then three days later. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, because like on the other day when you wanted to hear back from me, it was also like I was late on the sure thing flyer by like two days. Right. And there, it was for reasons that Brenna would have understood if I were just like, here's what's going on. Yeah. Um, And that's like a small one. So I just did it Wednesday and who cares? But I just didn't manage to bring that up in like three years of talk therapy, how that would happen all the time. It's like, it's like when you, your phone's broken for like two years mm -hmm. and you're like, well, I'll just prop it on the wall with the charger and right. just like, but it like gets me there, sure. you know? And I know what I should do is just get a new phone. I just never get around to it. Yeah. The, the stuff that seems so simple that, you know, it's would be baffling to me that there's like an answer I hadn't thought of. Uh, I don't bring that up. Even though I should. Yeah, because you want to have the conversation you want to have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to be the person with these mopey, like, bigger, grandiose problems, like a character in something. I'd like, I should go to therapy now. I'd be better at it. <sighs> or better at getting over that one habit. Anyway. I don't know. It, I think for a performer, therapy is always going to be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, I always want to seduce, and I always want to impress, and I always want to, like, open. I always want to, like, be charismatic. I always want to put my finger on the fucking current. I always want to put, like, the fork right in the socket and just see what happens. Like, <laughs> I always want to, like, like, <laughs> when I was uh, in Ireland for uh, work, I had a, a cab driver who was, like, um, I just started talking to him, giving the whole axial lines rap, you know, sure. about um, technology. Because like, he just asked about Trump. And if you're American, then it, and uh, then he he texted me when I got to the hotel. And he's just like, I'm still thinking about our conversation. <laughs> I love it. And then so I was, he was so nice. I he, do. I do love that traveling where it's like I, I, you, I don't go around when I'm in the United States talking about the state of the country at large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but strangers be like, oh, how about all that American stuff that's happening? I'm like, I do have opinions. Yep. This is fun to talk about. And he uh, he was so nice. He was like, maybe in his 50s, um, born in Vietnam, I think, but um, English, raised in England, and just had like the best accent and was just so kind. Hmm. And then we met up for coffee like at the end of my trip and just like talked a little bit more about whatever we were talking about. That but, rules. But that's always, but I, I do, or I've had like Uber drivers be like, do you have a podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I just. You have a lot of stories about Uber drivers. No, not that, really. Well, I mean, just that you seem to make the effort to get to know them quite a bit. Oh, I do. Right, yeah. right, right. Not like, not like crazy stories, but just like, you know, their nations of origin and, and stuff. Yeah, sometimes I'm, I'm able to, uh, I'm good, I'm good with, the countries of origin but it's a tricky game and it's maybe not one you want to play anymore yeah be like are you from here but so you're saying even in like a cab ride you feel like you have to perform not feel it's just in it I just like it. yeah it just happens yeah I just like i this problem after it i had this problem with aa meetings yeah i tried when i quit drinking i tried to go um but you're gonna, you're gonna go try out a tight five at the aa meeting <laughs> It's impossible. I mean, or I would try to go last, you know what I mean? Or or just, you know, or you could just sit there and not share. You know, a lot of people do that. So it'd be like, you know, if you know that you're not, if you're going to try to crack everybody up, just don't share. Just be that guy and I'd still yeah. do it. Yeah. I'd yeah, I want to start going to Quaker meetings because I want to find <laughs> church. But Is that where you, you sit there silently yes, the whole time? until the spirit moves you. To stand up and speak? Yeah. Oh. Which is like, I, it just seems so, I just imagine you're like, dude. I feel like that'd be very you just easy to be like, dude, dude, I think God's tight. <laughs> <laughs> I think God's really dope. I think God's like, I think God's like really cool. I, anyway, that's all I just, anyway. <laughs> it's honestly sort of hardcore that your whole religion is an open mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone could speak. Omniphonic open mic. <laughs> So they they've there's gotta be like does the priest like clear their throat if you're like I don't think there's a priest, that's the point. What? Quakers are down to party, dude. I was speaking of my birthday, I was born 
in a city named after a Quaker poet. I was born in Whittier, John Greenleaf Whittier. You were born in a city called Whittier? Yeah. Is there an H? Yeah. All right. Whittier, California. Yeah. 40 years ago today. Yeah. Like Whittier College, they're the poets. Sure. I think there's, you know, when, in, in my more uh, hippy-dippy mind frames, I, I think that that means something. I was smoking in the sanity bunker and playing Tetris like a few months ago. Sure. And I thought, oh, that would be a good pseudonym for me. John Greenleaf's Whittier. Because <laughs> my real name's John. My first name's John. I was born in Whittier and I like them green leaves. And then I went to Target and these kids in front of me were wearing shirts and like that said Whittier basketball or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, Are you guys from Whittier? And like, oh yeah, um, junior high school. Junior high. And I'm like, and then you moved to San Antonio. We're from San Antonio. Oh no, it was a mask. Ah. It was a mask. And I'm like, wait, you went to junior high school in Whittier, but you have a mask that says, you got a, so it had to be recently because you have a math. Like I couldn't do the math. Yeah. And then I got home and I Googled it and it's like, oh no, no, no. There's a John Greenleaf Whittier high, like junior, junior high school in, in San Antonio. San Antonio. <laughs> and I was like, that's when everything was echoing. What are the odds on that? Every single, that was my life back then. It's the sort of thing where, like, I just like they're naming a middle school in San Antonio. They're like, you know, who doesn't get enough press? John Greenleaf Whittier. Yeah. It was two hours later. It was two hours later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't run into people with Whittier stuff on them, and I've never. But Quakers are cool. They're like actually like anti-war mm-hmm. for the most part. They actually like Quakers were really instrumental in. Um, abolition and like they just seem gentle sure I grew up uh, in Pennsylvania which I believe was founded by a Quaker William Penn fourth grade oh, just for the listeners edification the sanity bunker is, was a shed in Cameron's backyard that's right we, and we never determined whether it was a bunker protecting or or um, for or against the sanity. <laughs> yeah, right. Because there was times when I'm like, I think I don't know if this is healthy. Right? If this were the 90s, we might have called it an insanity bunker. Yeah. Just, that's uh, the kind of thing you did back then. And I just loved when, like, Lisa's mom was in town. It's just like, I called the sanity bunker so much that, like, it kind of forced her to call it the sanity bunker. <laughs> and I just imagine, like, a mother-in-law figure going, like, I don't know about a son-in-law with the sanity bunker. That doesn't necessarily sound that sane. Ooh. Oh, you know, the landlord at my house I'm renting just re-roofed the shed in the back, which will make it much less like rain gets in there all the time. Thinking I could set up sort of a sort of an SB situation. <laughs> <laughs> the old S-bunker. Also, and this is apropos of... Can you, you know, can you explain for the listener the concept of the home as an intoxicant? I is hope that? so. I think maybe. Because um, cause on that note, just to set it up, uh, I moved into my place two months ago, and we were sort of waiting on pulling the trigger on the couch, mm-hmm. and then like, my savings disappeared faster than I thought, so I was like, oh, God damn it. All right. And then somebody gave away this awesome couch two days ago. There's a little furniture store down in Lockhart where people leave stuff they don't want. Okay. And we just messaged a friend that we saw got a new couch. We're like, can we have your old one? And she's like, oh, I'm keeping it in my kid's room or whatever. But then this friend was like, you know, this couch just popped up by Vogel Furniture. Do you want it? And it's like, I don't want to show you a picture on a podcast, but it's like red. It goes with all our shit. It reminds me of like your couch color, sort of. It's like these wood sides. I think it's like a $1,600 couch. So just popped into my life. The idea of home should be an intoxicant is like, It should externalize. It should have. It should have a kind of um, gravity and a kind of like. It should be an externalization of like your values and your hopes, and it should create an ecology that um, does stuff to you that makes you feel certain ways that that um, is foundational to what you want to do, who you want to become. Mm-hmm. Like it should be a place that is. Um, 
has a mood, has an aesthetic, because it's so easy to just get mid-century modern everything, and it just has all these tapering legs on it. Yeah. And just get on your phone and be on your phone. But if you're on your phone, that's another part of it, is like having different kinds of media in the house, having records, having tapes, having um, books, having... Because if you're on your phone, you're just on the internet the whole time, you're not really at home. You're in a kind of like liminal brain space mm -hmm. or something. And and there's homes that I just remember from my childhood, like Catholic homes that had this certain kind of like feeling. They smelled a little like incense and they had the picture of Jesus with this flaming heart and they had the Last Supper and it frilly kinds of not my aesthetic necessarily, but like it definitely had a feeling. Mm -hmm. And I, I think our Ikea stuff and our mid-century modern Wayfair, it, it can be a little antiseptic. It can be a little antiseptic. It can be a little... Um, cold. Cold. Yeah. And so I don't know. That's not really a good explanation of it, but it's it's something... Well, it's it's definitely something that grew out of because when you back you moved back here to town three four years ago now, and uh, you were in that apartment by Forty uh, Fifth. Right. You were you just had no furniture for a while. That's true. And you were like, I oh, just wait until the right piece of furniture like seems to fit. Yeah. In so many words. And that's honestly, I was we were getting this point sitting on like two chairs in our living room of like we'll just get a couch to get one, I guess even though we haven't really thought had the right idea or seen the right thing yet. And then just one, just somebody just gave one away right. that fit our aesthetic perfectly. Like home should be sacred. I feel like we've lost that. Like we're so penetrated by the outside. Yeah. Like we're streaming constantly. Mm -hmm. We're streaming things in. We're, we're, we're doing things on other people's time lines and like, following these new cycles that go right we're doing in that sense of home of coming home and being like oh here i am right okay it's it has a certain feeling of ecology mm -hmm. like there's homes that are just homes that have a room and you put a thing but they're not functional ecologies they don't actually work to support you and it's not symbiotic in a way that's deep and nourishing but it can be if you stop and think about it okay sure. but um I don't know. I feel completely alienated from that because I'm off of weed. Because part of it was like getting a little stoned during yeah. the day. Yeah. And then like kind of getting in that weird intuitive acoustical vibe place and just like hanging out in a room and being like, what does it want? And what do I want from it? And um, now I'm at this new place and I'm not smoking weed. And I'm like... I don't know what to do with this place, and I own it, so it's like well, it's, the whole theory is 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 uh maybe on crutches <laughs> right now. Well, it's only been a few weeks, right? Yeah, since you like moved maybe in, maybe a month, maybe a month. Yeah, so because this and this is like been a process for me for like three months now because we started repainting the house, the interior in June. We like agreed to do that instead of a security deposit. So yeah, it's been just bit by bit, and then I keep flashing back to the day we like walked around it and there was still like junk everywhere because yeah. the previous tenant wasn't all moved out uh and the, the all the previous color was awful and like yeah <clears throat> and then also just functionally the living with like roommates and stuff in austin the last whatever many years don't spend a lot of living room time this is the first time i've like put living room furniture together and yeah. like created a space you know, we have a we have a projector, so it's not like TV centered, which is always fun. But, but yeah, when buying records, you know, it's part of the theory, right? For me, it was just having um. I don't know. I can't. The theory's dead. We'll come <laughs> back to it later. Let's just put a pin in that. Sure. Sure. En enough theories. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> My head exploded with theories. It just split wide open. Well then, the the bigger thing was just my new couch fucking rules. Could have started with that. I could have just said that. <laughs> well, it's also and there's but there's also this element of like 
you know, just just at this point in time, I'm in a really good relationship place. Um, but it's like you notice things like we have been dating two years and both like she was living like a studio. And I lived in like a shitty roommate situation where I didn't spend living room time. And we were just like, we've never like hung out on a couch and watched something and just like touched one another. You know, just yeah. like been like leaning against one another just because we've never had the ability to do that. Yeah. And it's like, I know this might be a dumb placebo thing because I've read too much neuroscience stuff, but I'm like, I feel like I could feel the oxytocin. I feel like high. <laughs> Shut up. From, that's, that's a dumb stoner thought, of course, but I don't know. Just, I don't think knowing about it inhibits the production of it, you know? I'll take a placebo effect if that's what it was. Environments are profound. Mm-hmm. And... I've just found in my life that people underthink them and they underfeel them. They like keep feeding it wherever you're living. Keep feeding it. Keep looking at it. Keep mm-hmm. beautifying. Keep texturizing. Keep like don't leave the same books on the tables all the time. Like like move them out. Like don't keep the same magazines on the table all the time. Like keep it living. Keep it engaging and keep it um, yeah ecological. There's you, you can come into places that are like a tech office building where there's just unused furniture. It's not an ecology. It doesn't work. It, someone thought it with their brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like thinking about a space as an ecology is a great way to, to, to put it. You know, because it's not just, I try to like, try to imagine the paths you take. Sometimes I try to imagine, you know, the like family circus where the dotted line follows the kid around. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, where do I, where am I walking too far to, Right. like we got a, we, we went to Ikea, cliche alerts, but among the many things we impulse bought was a shoehorn, which has revolutionized my life. Really? I will walk across the apartment to get it, to, I'll bring my shoes with me because it's just easier than dealing with the like heel bunch, of, you know, I don't need to explain shoehorns to our listeners, but uh so then what I realized, I was just going all the way to the front door where we keep it because we put shoes there sometimes. I was like, I'm going to put it back here. <laughs> I'm going to put it back where we actually put our shoes on and save us like, you know, 10 feet all the time. Yeah. Home is an intoxicant. It also demands that like your environment is like actually a kind of mental force field. Mm-hmm. Partly, like a lot of it is because it doesn't matter where you are. If you're in the wrong headspace, if you're um, obsessed about something, if you're really angry, you're not necessarily like enjoying the delicious curtain color. You're like, yeah. And and so for me, being in a new house that I, I, I like, but I don't love and feeling a little lopsided, feeling a little out of sorts there. Um, if I try to fix it too quickly. Yeah. If I'm like, I want it to change and I leap into action, I leap past the actual moment where <laughs> I am. Yeah. In the in the space where I am and I lose that textural connection with that kind of frontier between me and and my space. I lose it cuz cuz I go for my brain and then I I'm like I want it to stop. I want the feeling of disharmony to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, if you come in and then your room's a mess and you're like, you feel bad. I let it be a mess. And then if the shame is the catapult to fix it, well, I'm not having a relationship with the room anymore. I'm having a relationship with my shame. Yeah. 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 I'm having, I'm trying to use the room as a mechanism to dissipate my shame. Right. It's like how you can't meditate with an agenda or something. Right. Yeah. So that's hard for me because I, I sometimes will go from the shame to like mindless doing and they'll be like, but then when I'll look back, I'll have a to-do list that I did. It's like, yeah, but, but you skipped the part <laughs> where you just sat with what it was. Yeah. Like where you just radically accepted the situation. And so it's hard to explain home as an intoxicant because it, it's so, it, it's so intermingles all these different things of mindfulness of attention yeah of aesthetics 
of cohabitating in a certain kind of way. <laughs> I like you moved to a new house, and I'm like, can you explain the concept you're the most disconnected from right now? Right, exactly. <laughs> I am. Because uh, I don't explain it as well, but I my current house is really shaping up. That's yeah. good. Living room is like the last step. Keep feeding it. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel like it's like it's just the an extension of like a creative thing that I've I've noticed thematically has helped me in every aspect. So like like once a month or something, I try to redo my bookmarks on like my browser. Sure. Yeah. That's you a good, know, good idea. I got in that habit at my old job because I'm just like I feel like the way this is set up is costing me a lot of time. So I just started revisiting it all the time. Um, and it made my life easier. You know, bath water. Old bath water is very dangerous. Hmm. Like if you keep the same bookmarks, that Ye- becomes bath water right, from right. last month. Mm-hmm. And your YouTube algorithm that you've been cultivating for years, Ugh. it'll sneak up and bite you. Because yeah. I was just trying to put my laundry away the other day and I was going to put on like like a Gabber Mate. Um, you know him? He's a Canadian I do not. doctor, but he kind of talks about stress and he, he sort of... Although he's a, a medical doctor, he is kind of in that mindful world because he's written about sure. stress and this. But then it suggested, like, why did the Rams trade Jared Goff to the Lions? <laughs> and then I'm watching this, and then I'm just like, it's two in the afternoon, and it's like, yeah. My old bathwater just leapt up and waterboarded me. <laughs> God. Uh, like, as soon as you said bathwater. Well, like, like, cause, like, a lot, like, the YouTube is like some of the stinkiest bathwater there mm. is. You know what I mean? It, it gets war. It gets bad. Like, the more algor algorithmy it is, the like stinkier it is. It's That's so terrible. YouTube is like the worst, man. Like, if you listen to um, Jack Cornfield, sure. There's this nexus between um, MMA, um, the internet dark web. Mm. I mean, that's. The intellectual dark web. Yeah. That's yeah. in the form of a Joe Rogan. Sure. And and then that connects to like ayahuasca. Yeah. Um, and then that connects to like, I, there's this ayahuasca and uh, ayahuasca connects up with uh, uh, CrossFit. Yeah. Right. And CrossFit, it's all, Wait, it's this complex. Does of, it? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's this complex of things that are like kind of in the Silicon Valley disruptor. Thing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And so if and, and th- that links up somewhere with like there's the ayahuasca and then that kind of links up with like the Ram Dass stuff. So if you listen to like Jack Cornfield, they'll be like Jordan Peterson. Uh, like, like there's these connections that they seem yeah. really off, but if you get too close, then you start getting like really like down the rabbit hole political stuff that maybe has like an edge that's a little sharper than I'm interested in. Right, right, right. And you can just like just ignore it. Um, but also mind the bathwater. Like yeah. if there's a way to clear it out, maybe we should look into it. Well, it's like, it's like I, I think that'll just be immediately useful to me to be like thinking about sitting in dirty bathwater. Like from like years ago, right. anytime you're letting the like the Instagram ad that knows how to get you, get you, you know? Mm-hmm. Because it's just like it leaks through all these things. Just real quick, CrossFit ayahuasca, is that a thing? No, what I'm saying is... You're saying there's that, that's not too many steps. I was just imagining all these CrossFit dudes just like puking and like... Being like, oh, I puke Well, there the is. There's that myself. on it guy. There's that guy um, who... That company on it that's Austin-based, Aubrey Marcus, is that his name? He's on Joe Rogan and... He, uh, and and on Duncan Trussell, and he is a huge ayahuasca head. Okay, and owns this big like CrossFitty gym. He makes like they make like kettlebells and stuff. Sure, sure, sure. sure. I'm not denigrating any of this stuff. I'm just saying like, um, for some reason these things run together mm-hmm. in that on on YouTube algorithms because I think they appeal to a certain kind of. But yeah, and everybody will have their own like constellation of this nonsense. It's just hard to hard not to get caught. Well, it it, it fits into kind of a, a biohacking, like Tim Ferriss kind of like. You do CrossFit to transform your body. You do ayahuasca to transform your soul. You do like, mm-hmm. um, 
you listen to Ram Dass to, to transform your worldview and get, get your, your chakras all going. Dude, I get, I get the Ram Dass advertisements all the time. They really want me to buy the Be Here Now cover on every conceivable merchandise. Like a hood? You. Like a flag? I'm like, what? I'm just going to put it in my yard? Really? <laughs> a Be Here Now flag. Yeah. That seems like a weird combination. Like a flag is sort of in the in, in the vein of the Eddie Izzard bit. It's a bit aggressive. Yeah, yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's bit... a bit like it's it represents some other thing, so it's funny to be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't click on it. I don't know if it's like a like a US flag size flag. Or maybe more of a little decorative guy. Yeah, all right. New term. Bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, you know, it's it's rare to like hear something I don't say all the time and be like, I think I'm going to say that all the time. But it happens around you a lot, bud. I'll tell you that much. I I it it it's heartening cuz I'm working on this the zine book whatever it is. Sure. And I don't it's so weird this well, and I don't, I don't want to keep going on about it, but it's like instantly I was like, that's going to be useful because it's a very vivid image to like associate with a habit I would like to get out of. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to ha come up with like relatable terms for some of the like social media pitfalls that are out there. Yeah. I hope I it, it's like. When you are very sensitive, I hope I'm also pretty perceptive because otherwise this is going to be really hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, I feel it intensely. I feel it vividly. Yeah, yeah. But I can't explain it to you at all. Like that's, I, a lot of people probably are like that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I hope that about myself. You know, I, I, I tend to think ideally I'm like more of like a, I like, trying to find stand-up bits about like the the dumb things like could this be something where mary and i my partner we we were you know we stream sh shows we're trying to be more mindful about it we're like what if we do like a rotation of shows you know like comedy drama maybe or we got up to like four and i was like you know what What if we only did some of them on certain days of the week it's just tv i just reverse engineered regular tv <laughs> <laughs> i was like could we just give ourselves a little time to like man i just talked myself back into the 90s yeah somehow. yeah uh because i feel like there's I'm, I'm always looking for that that answer it feels like having amnesia just streaming shows all the time you're we like oh let's get back to watching um the show we were watching yesterday i know i know i like it i know i'm excited to watch it again i can't remember which one of the things it's on so i can't yeah. find it right now so i think that agency like yeah all the agency that we've been given it's a real it can really fuck you actually because then you're your own dj and then i, I you have you're djing your own life mm -hmm. you're curating your own stuff and i noticed that i use I use media in a really anesthetic way. Like I'll just put Lodge 49 on just to try to feel better. Sure. I'll put Last Man on Earth on just to try to feel better. I'll put stuff. And then I'm not engaging with new stuff. I'm not being challenged. I'm not anything. And it's like there's some old version of me in there. DJ Bathwater. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't want to outsource it to that. And so Lisa got into these Twitch streams of curated, kind of like film nerd type, found footage type people. And it's called Museum of Home Video. That's the channel. Yeah. And uh, it's, did we watch any with you? Uh, you did. She showed me one where somebody had added like fart sounds to old Hollywood clips. No, they were real farts. We were on the fence about whether they were real okay. or not. Some of them seemed real. That's for sure. They sounded too perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like the buttholes back then were just formed perfectly. <laughs> they were all perfectly mic'd. They went to voice coaches. Very audible. For both ends. <laughs> Classic Hollywood farts. Whoa. Farts with a, a continental accent or whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, no, but, no, no, you mean the mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic accent. You're, uh, the way, you know, Gene Kelly would fart. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was fun stuff because it's, it's very, like, found footage or stuff I wouldn't go seek out on YouTube. And it's on, yeah. like, Tuesdays at 9.30. Mm-hmm. And then there's other shows that are on. And it's just, it's nice to even get that kind of level of community and lack of agency. You can't even pause it. You just have to watch it. We we de- we desire lack of control. Yeah, yeah. Like there's something better about watching like the proposal with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds was on. Bravo. Um, and then we were just watching that with commercials. We could clearly just go on Netflix or wherever and just watch it without commercials. But Try once you down. do that, then it's not the same thing anymore. Mm-hmm. It's on purpose. And there's something about the accident of watching a shitty movie on E or Bravo on a Saturday afternoon that is nice that you don't have the control or watching Baywatch. I think I watched flying to Tokyo. I watched Baywatch the movie. <laughs> yeah. I just love it. It's like, it's, I love watching a shitty movie on a, the recent, uh, the rock yeah. starring Baywatch. Perfect. Love it. Nice. I love, I love a plane movie. Yeah. I've seen a lot of fun, dumb movies on planes based on lack of control. Based on, a, there's like 40, you know, tops. And during COVID, it's like I have even more control because I'm working from home. Yeah. And that, like, that. did you watch the Nexium cult documentaries, any, either of them? I watched most of uh, The Vow. Okay. And then oh, it got real burned out on how slow it was that I still haven't done the Stars one. But I hear it's better. So the central ploy, as far as I can see with that, like where they take your wallet is when they sell you something that seems really positive, which is perfect agency. Sure. Nexium, you're saying. Yeah, Nexium. Yeah. Perfect agency. You can hack your way of thinking. You can change the way you behave. You're in control. Yeah. But once you swallow that, you see that there's a very dark shadow cast over your whole life because perfect agency is perfect blameworthiness <laughs> yeah right you could have done it differently well you're just copping out you're just making excuses right you're hiding you can always say anything that someone does is them copping out because they have control yeah i guess the the idea that perfect agency is possible probably made it easier to control the members of the you know maybe the, the cult within nexium but also the whole organization yeah you know because it sounds like even the regular parts of it are very like sleep depriving, and mm-hmm. you're not living up to your promises that you made, master or whatever. But yeah, one of the co-founders was like a big CBT like therapist lady, right? I don't know. Beforehand, it was something. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, I feel like there was a period of time I would have been. I guess I guess I'm glad I've never just had a lot of disposable income. Yeah, because I'm sure I would have been in for classes or seminars you, you'd have and stuff. More bad tattoos, <laughs> <laughs> literal and otherwise. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know, but couldn't I couldn't get into one now? It'd be like it's too late. A cult? Yeah. Be like just getting into heroin or something. Uh, you could still get into it. <laughs> you think they'd take me? Take your money, sure. That's, yeah. There's not much of that left. Joke's on you guys. Yeah, I... I a lot of my thinking over the last however many years has been about our symbioses with technology and the increasing speed of technology and then like how different our world is with smartphones. It's not like it's not like from a flip phone to a smartphone is just like a link in the evolution. It's like it's categorically different when everyone is like able to access ideas all the time. Yeah. Almost in real time. 
Well, and like it's, and it's hard to talk about its in its its effect on social interaction without sounding very like grandpa or like alarmist or something. Mm-hmm. But I was reading an interview with the new head coach of the Lions because he's this weird out yeah, yeah, yeah. character. Like, we'll bite your kneecaps it's off good, or whatever. Yeah. And buried in it, he makes the point that just like smartphones have ruined locker room culture. Wow. Because he's just, I think he was trying to get, he took it to more of a place of like, come to me with a problem instead of calling your agent. But he brought up smartphones and it made me think about like, yeah, even in the locker room, you're just going to like be on your phone at your locker and there'll be less like camaraderie and, yeah. and shit for the millionaire players on the Detroit Lions. But yeah, in every little contact, like a gym locker room amongst regular people or the green room at my comedy show, that's changed inexorably in the last nine years. You know, just just the hanging out. Yeah. And I don't... I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what the answer is. or I don't even know if it's that big of a problem. <laughs> uh, I know I feel better when I barely look at my phone. Yeah. Yeah, I took a trip a couple weeks back. Really, really detached. From, like, the news app, from, like, the things, everything. And it's hard It's hard not to get caught just needing it to function day to day back here in the in the world. But, uh, and, I, and that's, I think that's the way to understand home is an intoxicant is, like, it is counter to the intoxicants of yeah. modern technologies, right? It's, like, create spaces that have their own logics that are not just places for you to have your phone or to, to 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 get on Netflix, which is not to say you shouldn't have places in your house to do those things, but. Well, I, I think it's like now your home has a lot more to keep up with, you know, as soon as you walk in the door, it, it should be. Well, and, and when we're putting this house together, we were like, we, we you know, we made a lot of decisions because it opens into like living room, dining room, kitchen, you can see everything. You know, and then the bedrooms are down the hall. So, like, we were very like, what are the, what's the first impression of this going to be? You know, like, which side of these cabinet parts do we want to paint in the kitchen so it's, like, visible when you walk in? Right. And, and things like that. So, you know, because it's, especially for us, it's nice to come back and be like, wow, this couch looks so good in the living room. You know, it's only been two days, so we're still very, like, hell yeah. Uh, and we're trying to create stations where we put our phones down especially bedroom-wise, and don't look at them ever again unless we need something. Yeah, you're thinking about, like, you're, you're putting yourself into it ecologically and being like, what is it like to be mm-hmm. enmeshed in this situation or something, be immersed in it? Yeah. And, and I find marijuana helps a ton to connect in that kind of way, and I, 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 I feel like I've lost a superpower. <laughs> I feel like I've lost that ability to engage the world in that way and I, I I like to think that I can do it without is it and this might be a dumb question but is that something that people can just speak to their psychiatrist about yeah 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 alright I mean it's legal here medicinally at the very least I don't think it is no I don't know I think medical marijuana is legal in the state of Texas but uh I I've just I've, you know I I had, I don't have much experience. So I've always wondered. Can you just be like, how will this affect my weed smoking? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not gonna rat you out. You can be honest. All right. Fair enough. Confidentiality and all that. Yeah. They might tell you to quit or something. Well, sure. But it's interesting being in this new house where there's like so much wrong with it. Like there's just weird stuff about it. You're like I don't like that. I don't like this. It's hard for my brain to land anywhere. Because the last house was just glorious. It was all windows. The backyard was beautiful. Trees everywhere. Birds. And yeah. it was kind of an easy place to develop this theory. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Like, yeah. My my current house also has such, you know, good circumstances for it. And and so what I look around and see is like I'm a homeowner and now, well, I don't like this, and that's gonna be ten trillion dollars to fix, and that's gonna be <laughs> So it's it's hard, but the ecology—that's the thing—is the ecology. It's not quite just the house. 
My my favorite aspect right at this moment is that I haven't seen this house yet. And I'm sure it's just like looks like a house, but it's like this weird like German expressionist angle place in my head right now. I'm like, oh this horrible house. Yeah. <laughs> no I'm I I'm you know, it's just fun to be like, What I wonder what these problems are. Sight unseen. So it's it's just the the theory is just like I said, it's on crutches. We don't know. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but I think there's, I mean, like, you know, I feel like there's a lot more I want to do in the studio, but I wouldn't be able to guess what area of town we're in. It's not entirely dependent on the physical space. Right. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. So. Especially because when we, when you were, when we initially were talking about it, I was like living in Airbnbs. Yeah. And looking for all these like temporary life hack ways to make it really feel like I put my mark on it. Yeah. And it, it was possible there. Luckily, I've recorded so many of our old conversations that I, hopefully I can like go back, reacquaint myself with the more uh, uh, snappier parts of the theory and then uh, maybe... I put it to you. Pending, you know, other, dis- you know, like changing meds again or, or some other change or whatever. But if you're in a more left brain focused place, it could be the ideal time to go transcribe a lot of that. I am, yeah. And hell I'm yeah. Transcribing a ton of it. Yeah. It's like it's frustrating because it's like the less glamorous side of <laughs> of creating things than the inspiration part. But it's really crazy because I'll be transcribing stuff yeah. of me talking to myself months and years ago, and it's often like the exact thing I need to hear that yeah. day because I'm just like really struggling and it helps to disabuse me of these ideas that I was like perfectly happy and during these months where yeah. I was happy it's like no those were even there's peaks and valleys there as well yeah we were yeah we were reading old journals last week here and there and sort of that helped me a lot as well and my old stone self going like you gotta quit smoking weed sometime and you need to bear down and transcribe this shit and I'm going okay cool that's that's a Proustian harmonic right there because it's like it brings the waveform of my biographical selves into a certain harmony because because I can look back and go, oh, I was so open back then. I was so joyous and I was like making crazy visual art. Yeah. And oh, my past self would be so upset to find out what happened to him. Hmm. Now I'm like, I'm a little more rigid. I'm a little more uptight. I'm less joyous. I'm less like hippy dippy mergy with the universe. And I feel bad about it. But when I listen back, he's going, it's great in here, but <laughs> you should become the exact person that you're being right now. Yeah. And I go, okay, well, he's not mad at me, and I'm not mad at him. Okay, there is a season, turn, 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 Ecclesiastes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and so it's an interesting thing to be doing, making this. This talking to oneself is like an interest. What do you make of it? it do you think it's really crazy or do you think it's just an auto auditory diary and therefore not a big deal do you mean your voice note sort of habit yeah yeah where you're just uh i like it a lot you know i i have tried a little bit especially work i do i do it to work out material a lot these days because i don't do that many open mics but i want to get like actual practice sort of putting the thought together and it's easy to do that out loud i feel like there's a lot of value to it you know, and it's and it's especially as as like a writer, it's like you can operate on these longer schedules. You know, if it's all from the last eight months and you're starting to actually write it down now, that's not a bad timeline. You know, it's interesting. It's hard it, to be patient. I don't really know how to frame it. I don't know what like, it's going to be. Some sort of a written thing. Yeah, I want it to be not huge paragraphs because I want it to track with how people digest text now i don't want it to be like proust i want it to be yeah wittgenstein i want it to be like little blocks of text but it's like do i want time to be a factor do i want like or do i want thematically like i could just pick things from all these different months and then put them or do i want there to to, do i want time to elapse Ah. with the ideas like do i want to include some sort of geological brain time I don't know. There could be a way. But 
So just to clarify, I've been recording. At first, I would meditate and then talk to myself. Wow. And those are really... Do you find, do you find, cause like I was just talking to some comics last week where it's like, even this guy brought a tape to tape himself and he's like, I'm just doing this for me, but it still puts me in my head of like, oh, you're going to fuck up the tape. Right. You know, cause sometimes you'll be taping for like an industry thing. And then this, he was just doing it for his own records and he's like, I'm still nervous about it, which is really funny. Nervous about mace- messing up the quality of the tape or messing up the set? Um, you're messing up the set because taping it sort of like heightens the circumstances. Oh. Even though there wasn't any some sort of submission, it was he was literally just like, I want to, you know, listen back and watch how I move up there and stuff. Like it just yeah. made him way more self conscious than normal. Yeah, it does something. It it, it transforms something chemically almost yeah. to to be recording something. So do, I mean, like, do you find is that what you kind of like about it? You get this like more of like, oh, I'm creating a document. In whatever small way of a lo- of something later, it depends. It's I think it's just me trying to survive. Yeah. It's like writing a journal, just being like. Other times, it's me being so excited about an idea that speaking out loud is like the best way to get the thoughts out of my head. Yeah, and somewhere else because I can't type that fast and making the air rattle. There's something to it, but like bursting it out of your lungs with kind of this manic energy yeah. feels sometimes in line with the the spirit of the, the the ideas or the feelings and then i don't know at some point covid just so i i recorded a few in the past sure but covid is when it really like there's just a ton of them and it's just interesting to go back and transcribe and see how they yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like that would be a that feels like somewhat important context to anything that I make lately. There's like during COVID, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you don't just want to bring it up all the time or whatever. Um, but yeah, there could be some sort of like time element to the way you present it. You'll you'll probably know it when you see it. Yeah, but I mean, I even found starting this podcast last week to be. I just felt like I was really loose on stage later that night. Mm-hmm. You know, I just felt like the focus is something that, you know, you don't realize it's like training you to be unfocused later. What's training you to be unfocused? Podcasting, in that example. But but just like being paying attention to what I say is like such a fun muscle to exercise. And it's like been a while since I've done it consistently. And the podcast does that because we're creating a something. Yeah. It's something that people will eventually listen to. You could be listening to this on your 50th birthday. Yeah. Imagine that. Okay, I'm imagining it. What do you want to tell that guy? I don't know. That's that's <laughs> what's weird in my life, and I don't know if this is the Delta doldrums or what, but it's like I don't see a future anymore. Yeah. Like I don't. There's no active like sense of horizon in front of me. It's just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I just wake up and I will. I, I don't mean, know. Is that bad? It's You're... probably more in line with what reality is like, which is like uh, the best laid plans of mice and men sort of thing. But at the same time, there's something very comforting about a future. Like I like that. I like the acoustical quality of my thoughts when there is a future in front of them. Sure. And without them, it's like driving in fog. It's like you can do it, but it makes me feel a little weird. But also it makes me feel like maybe I'm closer to some sort of breakthrough where it's just like, just be in the moment, man. (laughs) But I don't want to be in the moment. (laughs) I mean, I feel, I feel that way about, if I went to a psychiatrist, I'm sure they could, they could diagnose me with something that that means I have bad executive functioning. Yeah. So in a way, it's it's very just the future isn't something I really hold in my mind a lot. And I don't want to be like, oh, I just don't believe in it because I I definitely have like artistic dreams and it's comforting to imagine and you know there's this palpable sense of like momentum to my life. But 
in in the, in the sense of the like Eckhart Tolle, like neither the past or future is real. That's so much easier for me with the future than it is with the past. <laughs> the past is the past is really because even that when we talk about like oh, my teenage self would be so stoked about my current life. And I'm like, and I'm sure he would, but I don't remember as a teenager being like, I wonder what I'll be like, you know, when I'm 37. I don't think I even really could hold the future that far in my head back then. Yeah, I wonder. There's no way to know. But all right, we should probably stop. My parents are back in my. Oh. So yeah. Uh, stay tuned next week, folks. We got our first guest on the podcast.